guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I have eaten an unacceptable amount of my children's Halloween candy. <laughs> so wait, so uh, how... I, I have no frame of reference for what uh, Halloween is like anymore in uh, non-Los Angeles parts of the country. Is trick or treat is trick or treating is trick or treating still a big thing that happens a lot and and there are lots of kids out doing it in Tennessee. So here's what's weird, um, and this might just be because I have not gone trick or treating. Uh, I, I stopped trick or treating as a teenager mm-hmm. when uh, I realized that my parents' Halloween party could be my Halloween party, and I just. In- invited the whole class to my house Ah. um so like i quit trick-or-treating and then i didn't trick-or-treat in college because you know i thought that was not appropriate of course um and then i had kids and i got back in the scene and um i don't know if this is i'm trying to figure out what it is it's just candy ryan it's just regular ass fun size did you know you can go to any (laughs) store in america and buy a whole bag of fun size snickers I've heard you that. Don't have you can to just go to a stranger's house and beg them for it. You can just buy them with your own money. <laughs> you don't even have to make eye contact with an old person. And and when they say something like, when you say trick or treat, and they're like, all right, do a trick. And you're like, ha, 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 give me the Twix bar. And you're yeah, just trying to get through like this interaction. In, but I'm here in the trenches with the unwashed masses going door to door. And people are adult Men and women are legitimately saying to me, I hear there are full-size candy bars across the street. Man, this is... And a- I'm like, oh. that's a four-lane highway. I am not crossing that <laughs> with my small children for free candy. Oh, my God. So you just, like, tuck them both under your arms like, well, sorry, kids, they got full-size across the street, so... Fortune <laughs> exactly. Favors, bold, Risking life and limb. <laughs> Um, I have given up this year. I only went to took the kids to one trunk or treat, which is the uh, which is supposed to be the savory version of trick or treat because you right. can't trust your neighbors, mm-hmm. I guess. Which is um, honestly horseshit. Like, I, yeah, cause... it's it's exact garbage. Because yeah. this afternoon, I sat on my porch and literally the entire neighborhood of children played ghost in the graveyard in my yard and had the most idyllic wonderful time of all that well the entire neighborhood of kids except for the two kids that live at the end of the street because it's too far of a walk for everyone to go knock on their door so those kids <laughs> never get invited to play. yeah sorry kids i honestly that does my rotten little heart good to know that there are still kids playing these games and, and doing halloween shit um, on this okay, night, which is, real, uh, by the way, have, devil, uh, right now, on the day that we're recording this, it is October 30th, which uh, is uh, in several parts of the Midwest, Devil's Night. Um, and I, I am legitimately terrified someone will break my jack-o'-lanterns tonight. I worked very hard on them. Except oh, yeah. I think the person that's breaking them is nature, because I carved them Saturday, and they're already starting to rot on <laughs> Tuesday. Man, that's honestly... It has been weird. Global warming is uh, rough. Yeah. I Honestly, the, the problem is that when I hear um, the, the term Devil's Night... I always think of the movie The Crow and the the character actor royalty who plays T-Bird in The Crow just saying, here's the devil's night, my new favorite holiday. And it's, <laughs> the way he says holiday, 
It's like somebody ran it through the fucking Zalgo text generator. Just my new favorite. Um, but yeah, it's so. Which also, I don't think we haven't done the crow yet on this podcast. Does no, that... we haven't. It it needs to be uh, a movie we need to get around to. Oh, there's yeah. just listen. There's so many. I did not know when starting this podcast there were so many goddamn movies in the world. <laughs> it's honestly at this point we've consumed. You know, I feel like there was a, a point at which our threshold went up where, like, we had just watched too many goddamn horror movies. And I, I think early on in this podcast, because, I mean, it's obviously, you know, to the surprise of nobody, we, uh, we're really fond of horror movies and we think they're really good. But when we started doing this podcast, I feel like uh, maybe about 10 episodes in, I was like, I don't want to watch any more goddamn horror movies this week. That's all I've been watching. And now I've just gotten to the point where... It's the thing I put on when I'm doing anything, and I, I need to, like, <laughs> I've had to relearn how to be just a decent... Automatic. Yeah, I've had to relearn how to be a decent person to live with, where it's like, okay, so maybe we don't want to watch uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve at 7 o'clock on a Thursday night. You know, like, there, you know, you have to sort of relearn how to... I what's wrong with that. Yeah, how to be... Well, I mean, you know, I, I think it's I think it's reasonable. Um, but, so, all right, so what ghoul shit... Have you been consuming this uh, this hallowed week? This hallow week. So, I so I, I already mentioned Ghost in the Graveyard. I cannot tell you how jealous I am of my small children that I can, as a grown man, <laughs> join all of these elementary school kids and play Ghost in the Graveyard. Have you ever played this game? Oh yeah, no, I played that. Um, I went on the uh, the time that I played Ghost in the Graveyard. I was I, I think about eleven years old, and I'd uh, gone on a church trip with my mom and my brother to. Uh, Michigan, and it was like this big church group because we were really involved in uh, my my church, and we were uh, right next to a cemetery, and the, you know I we played Ghost in the Graveyard, and it was at the time I was so giddy a to be playing a game called Ghost in the Graveyard because I was a little Doom Cookie kid who wasn't really allowed to do spooky shit, so this for me I, air itself was Valium, you know everything was exciting and cool. All I want is to start an adult Ghost in the Graveyard League in in my town. <laughs> oh, and man. And us all have, like, roller derby names, but but spooky. Quincy, I think you're on to something here. This is... Yeah. We need to, um, you need to make this If anyone happen. is interested, please email us at RankinVileCast, and we will pick a, a, a park, and we'll meet and play Ghost in the Graveyard. Yep, competitive Ghost in the Graveyard. Um, so, yeah. So, the, the best part is you yell the time until you get to midnight, and then you run around like a maniac. <laughs> Does it um, put a little bit, um, like, sort of air back in your lungs to watch the babies playing this? game yeah because they um they the porch was base and they would all collapse on the porch where i'm just sitting and checking twitter um <laughs> and they're <laughs> right. like i've never run that much in my life and i'm like you're five <laughs> in your life like i've got commemorative sna i've got like novelty snack cakes in my cupboard probably older than you i literally have uh, commemorative Coca-Cola bottles older than these children. <laughs> Holy shit. Although, honestly, this is, uh, in, in terms of things that uh, make you feel like your uh, blood has not totally turned to dust, have I told you about the time that my uh, very tiny neighbor in uh, Echo Park uh, told me about uh, La Llorona and Bloody Mary? 
no, you must tell oh, me. Oh, God. I, honestly, I'm furious at myself for not having um, recorded this on my phone. Just, like, set it to record, put it in the cup holder, and, like, left it and not told her that I was recording this. So where I lived in Echo Park, I, I had these neighbors, uh, Jose and Zonia. And Zonia was, I would say, about, like, what, nine, ten years old, chubby cheeks, excited about everything. Um, I adore that kid. And uh, I, I God damn it, I hope they're doing okay. Um, and we, there was one time, uh, Jose's car, um, had shit the bed, like, the battery wasn't working, so, uh, and Jose didn't really speak much English, and Zonia did, so, um, he sent Zonia next door, and she was like, hey, um, could you give us a ride to the auto zone so we can get a new battery? And I was like, oh yeah, sure, and so, like, they, we, you know, we, we got in, uh, my Honda Fit, and, uh, Zonia is in the back seat, Jose is in the passenger seat, and she is babbling excitedly about urban legends to me. Like, she was the person, I had, I didn't know shit about who or what La Llorona was as a, as an urban legend. I didn't know about that until Zonia told me about it, and I was like, I was geeking the fuck out. And then out. you drove to Cabrini Green because <laughs> you were a sociology major and you had a budding, you had a real shot mm -hmm. here. Yeah, I had a real shot here, and I can do this, you know, I could do a boring thesis, or I can do some real shit. Um, but People so, are converting the everyday tragedy in their life <laughs> into that urban you know, legend. You know what's really important about this uh, Latin urban legend is me, a white grad student. <laughs> um, that's what really matters. The um, white person. <laughs> the white person. Um, so there was that, which was great. But honestly, uh, I think top five moments of my life, like top five moments of just being alive as a human being, was this tiny child going, and have you heard of Bloody Mary? And I'm like, no, what's that? Because I just am so excited to hear this kid explain Bloody Mary to me. Um, and she's talking about it, and it's like, and you get in the bathroom, and you turn the lights out, and you say her name three times, and then and I, need you to, I need you to picture an excited, tiny child saying this to you. And you say her name, and she comes out of the mirror, and she's really mean to you. And I she's am just negging you constantly. Yeah, she's she's criticizing that you've gone to cookout three times yeah, this week. Yeah, she's a she's she's just a fucking dick. Like she just comes out of the mirror like, oh, those shoes with that shirt. Um, and I'm like howling, howling silently. Ryan, did you know that at cookout you can get a chicken quesadilla with two two chicken quesadillas with two sides of chicken quesadillas? I I was not a, actually I have only had cookout exactly once in my whole life. I've really enjoyed the shakes. Yeah, it's great. But but in addition to being one of the few places to get cheer wine in my town on Fountain. Oh yeah. They have uh, really weird sides. Like chicken nuggets are a side. Mm, yeah, they are. So That's like, true. you get a burger and you can just get a side of chicken nuggets, but you <laughs> can also garnish. get a side of chicken quesadillas with your order of chicken quesadillas. You know, here's the thing is who doesn't pepper their uh, chili dog with chicken nuggets as a as a condiment? <laughs> I mean, I think we've all been exactly. there. Exactly. Although, honestly, I just heard, I just realized how fucking, how much I miss living in the South when I heard cheer wine and was just like, oh. I can't find Born in the South, raised in a glass, baby. Right, you know? I, I still, uh, on, on my other laptop, I had a Cheerwine sticker. I, I miss Cheerwine as a desert flower misses the rain. I, every guy. So if Cheerwine. you can, surely somewhere in the, you know, sprawling metropolis you live in, you can get it in glass bottles. It is mm -hmm. like life-changingly good yeah if, in if a glass anyone bottle. on this podcast has possibly not 
had a cheer wine in a glass bottle before. Like that is the, your A plus, one hundred percent the way you should drink it, especially for the first time ever. Holy shit! I, well, in cheer wine, I remember like when I was a kid, you know, and I uh, when like because my dad lived in North Carolina, we would visit him as a kid, and uh, like every other summer. And I had gotten cheer wine in a bottle. I became briefly obsessed with cheer wine. Like, would not stop bugging my mom to please, can we find cheer wine in Illinois when I would go back? Um, but <laughs> and it's nowhere. No, because... no, no. Neither neither cheer wine nor Sundrop. Uh, you can't fucking find Sundrop in Los Angeles. I've I've tried. Um, so, holy shit. Let's tell you what. Let's jump into the first uh, movie. Uh, do you want to? All right. Do you want to take your medicine first and talk about a movie we don't? care much for yeah let's talk about the fog all right so the so fog. listen rialto pictures gave us a screener because the fog is back there's a new 4k restoration in theaters now and i'd go see it i think it's it's coming to it's it's doing like a national run check your local listings you know it's a john carpenter movie it's gonna sound great it's gonna look great but on the other hand it is the fog yeah, it's the fog. And the problem is, I now, I don't know if this is going to be considered, like... Now, I don't know if it's a blasphemous thing to say that f- The Fog is a very bad movie. Um, it's not... Is it is it bad, or is it just not, it's not a that. John Carpenter movie in the sense of anything else? It's just nothing. I, I think... All right, all right. So, um, I know a number of people who are very fond of The Fog. Uh... It's got apparently a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, and generally, uh, I've realized, because I I fell down a weird uh, hate hole for John Carpenter's The Fog, and the thing that a lot of people praise about The Fog is the atmosphere. Now, to set the scene for people who may not have seen John Carpenter's The Fog, uh, it takes place in a coastal town. Um, If you want to picture, like, uh, a Chili's commercial circa 1990 where it's like Americana and you see, like, a salty old sea dog teaching a kid how to fish, it's it's basically that. Like, big watchtowers that are striped like candy canes and, uh, you know, you guessed it, fog. And so the thing that a lot of people praise about this movie is the atmosphere and the, the music and the visuals. And this is actually a great experiment. In uh, are visuals and music and atmosphere enough for a movie to be good? The answer is no. Well, also cast. It's got a crazy good cast. Holy shit. All right, so the cast, this movie is mostly, if you've watched other John Carpenter movies, this is like, you know Roadrunner United? <laughs> Did you ever see those CDs back in the day where it was like, all of these artists on Roadrunner Records where it was like, hey, do you want to hear a song as performed by the bassist from Mushroom Head and two of the drummers from Slipknot? And it was just like, okay, so this is like an all-star thing. The fuck is like that. But which two? That's the important question. <laughs> exactly. Which, you know, side note here, um, it had to have been great to be kind of talentless in the early 2000s because you could still be in a band because it would be like yeah uh, my buddy Jeff plays the blender and he can dress up like an evil bunny and be in my metal band um like that period hey what happened to the murder dolls speaking of Roadrunner Records the murder dolls I is because I know Joey Jordison from Slipknot the drummer was a guitar player and I remember yes. um, the lead singer of the Murder Dolls' name was A.C. Slade, which I thought was a pretty cool name. Um, 
at the time. I can't even act cool. I thought their cover of White Wedding by Billy Idol when I was a young man was just the tits. I just thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, their She's My Scream Queen made every mixtape I made for, like, four years. Yeah. Actually, excuse me, AC Slade was the guitar player, uh, or was something, uh, Wednesday 13... I think was Wednesday 13 was vocalist yeah. and um, it also had the guy from um, static X, the other guitar player. Oh yeah. And so what, which by the way, Wednesday 13, you know, that thing where we rag on alkaline trio for using too many puns. I feel like we've, you know, somebody needs to take Wednesday 13 down a peg. <laughs> he's been, he's been allowed to well, skate. I think life has done that, right? <laughs> life oh, has taken fuck. Wednesday 13 down a peg. <laughs> Rip in peace, man. I hope, you know, I hope he made it Wednesday 13. I hope he's out here doing it. He's regular. I hope he's okay. Because, um, like, all of his songs were just, like, his and hearse and toe tag you're it. And it's just, like, fuck me. This is, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing, I'm glad you're doing your, your, your horror punk thing. And that's great. I just, I, I'm, 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 I want to go to bed. Um, but, so, John Carpenter's The Fog. Um, this movie, all right, so let's just dig into it. Uh, it's, it is a who's who of actors who were in better John Carpenter's, uh, better John Carpenter movies, because you've got one of the babysitters from the original Halloween, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously, you've got, you've got Tom Atkins, who was from, you know, who was in Halloween 3, which, while not directed by John Carpenter, um, was kind of a John Carpenter property because it was part of his intended direction for the Halloween franchise after Halloween 2, which was for it to be an anthology horror series. Um, Halloween 3 rules. Don't listen to anybody who tells you it's bad. And actually, Quincy, do you feel like the pendulum has swung the other way on Halloween 3 at this point? The pendulum has swung so far, I don't recognize the discourse anymore. That's, yeah. Because I feel like it was mere months ago that everyone's like, ah, fuck this movie. And now... If you get on Twitter, everyone's like, this is absolutely genius. Yeah, everybody loves Halloween 3 now. And honestly, I gotta tell you, this is a silly, contrarian position to take. I'm excited for when the pendulum swings the other way on Zombies Halloween 2. Um, I, I, I kind of love that movie. Um, but, so Tom Atkins was in Halloween 3. And let's be honest here. Uh, Tom Atkins fucks in Halloween 3. And he also fucks in The Fog. And I feel like... In the 1980s, mo- filmmakers grossly overestimated the fuckability of Tom Atkins. <laughs> like, in Halloween 3, there's a sex scene that he has with a much younger woman, and it's fucking gross. And he's just, like, chewing on boob, like, no, 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 no. And it's like, what the Ugh. fuck? What the fuck am I watching? And then in this, like, he, uh, he and Jamie Lee Curtis smash. She's like... A, f- a fun-loving hitchhiker who happens to ride with Tom Atkins. And I feel like this movie has a very optimistic vision of hitchhiking because if you've ever listened to a single true crime documentary, you know that there were, like, two things to do in the 1970s which were, like, hitchhike and get murdered, right? Yeah. Like, that's all there was to do. And so they fuck, um, and it's... <sighs> I have had more sexual chemistry with a sandwich than Tom Atkins has with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, it's... It's it's extremely bad. And in fairness, I I, I absolutely fucked that sandwich. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's not Jesus. necessarily fair to... No, Jamie Lee Curtis. But So Jamie Lee Curtis is great in this because she's Jamie Lee. Like, she's great in everything. But she just doesn't have shit to do in this movie. 
Well, it's like how long until the actual pirate ghosts show up? <sighs> Way too fucking long. It's all right. So the movie. Uh, all right. Oh, we should probably explain the plot of the movie for people who might have might not have seen the fog. Uh, so there's this coastal town. And a uh, hundred years ago, there was a shipwreck and a bunch of ghosts are coming back uh, Scooby-Doo style. You sort of expect somebody in this to be running a con where they're trying to get everybody to clear out of this coastal town. And then it turns out it was like old man Stevens, the guy that runs the amusement park or whatever. Um, and it's a bunch of pirate ghosts coming back to kill people. And the movie opens with uh, an assaulty old sea dog telling a spinning a yarn for some of the local uh, ankle biters around the fire about how like there's ghosts in that water and then so that's the framing device for the fucking thing is that uh, your old buddy John Carpenter is gonna is, he's, he's gonna tell you a tall tale about pirate uh, ghosts murdering people this movie is about nothing it there's no deeper theme going on in this movie um, and it and the thing is that's fine. Like there's no deeper theme in I bought a vampire motorcycle, um, and <laughs> and that's then buying a vampire motorcycle. <laughs> that's all you need is one vampire motorcycle, um, one vampire one one vampire motorcycle and a microphone. Um, this movie is about nothing, but it's also not fun and it's not compelling. It doesn't move along. It's just it's paralyzed. And just, it's a series of things that happen and none of it matters. But it, it's pretty, and it's got a pretty decent soundtrack. See, it has a decent soundtrack, but I'm bummed out because I feel like the main theme tune of this is absolutely John Carpenter ripping off tubular bells. The da 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 And it's um, bad. And I feel like it's it's between either being like shitty and derivative the soundtrack or it's grating and beeping it's like weaponized beeps where it's just fucking <laughs> fucking loud and just like shrieking at me and the sound balancing is off the adr is weird on it um it's just an ugly movie to listen to for me like it's it's pretty to look at and i guess it's got cool atmosphere in that i like fog but that's about it. And there's a radio DJ played by Adrian Do you Bartlett. like the fog? Oh, I certainly don't. No, I, I like a fog, you know, of, a, of an evening going out for a constitutional in a fog. Um, and then you've got Adrian Barbeau, right, playing a DJ. And she is the worst DJ in the world because she's like, hey, guys, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a song I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play for you. And then she puts on the most, like, fart jazz, tinkling piano sort of, like, it's oh, it's so bad, and it's okay. not... Yeah. Who's the worst DJ, though? Adrian Barbeau or Stretch, who plays the audio <laughs> of a man being murdered with a chainsaw on the uh, radio? Well, here's the thing. is like I feel like Stretch is iconic to me because she was ride or die. She was like, yeah, I'll play live murder footage on the radio. Like Between that and this meandering... And you know what it is? It's not even fair to this movie, but I hate noodling piano jazz because I once worked at a Panera Bread. <laughs> I just get fucking ornery when I hear it because I'm just like, ah, fucking terrible. Um, so what? All right, what's the thing that you like from the fog? Because I, I don't want to shit on it too much. I mean, you've really the the pirate design is good. Mm, mm -hmm. When they show up, they're badass. 
Yeah. But the, that's about it. The murder's cool. You know, fun murder. Yeah. I'd say it's like... I, I, I'm here trying to say, like, it's the worst Carpenter, but I haven't seen uh, <laughs> Ghost of Mars, of Mars oh. so I don't feel comfortable making that statement. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Um, actually, you know what's another Carpenter movie uh, I might catch hell for, for, for um, expressing this opinion about, but Prince of Darkness is fucking ballsack. <laughs> Prince of Darkness is terrible, and uh, also... It is a crime that in the Mouth of Madness is not a bigger movie than it is. Um, Escape from L.A. is also largely shit. And well, you know, it's because it's the the '90 sequel, right? Although my favorite my favorite thing if you go to the if you go to the IMDb trivia page for Escape from L.A., there are certain entries on there that were 100 percent written by Kurt Russell, where it's like <laughs> Kurt Russell tried on his outfit from 1984 and he totally fit into it with the first day on set. And there's another one that's like. Uh, Kurt Russell, uh, that sink, when he sank that shot on the basketball court, that was all Kurt Russell. No visual effects required. <laughs> and it's like, Kurt, get off of IMDb and go to bed. Jesus, you're 80 years old. <laughs> Your children miss you, Kurt. And actually, you know what it is? All right, I know what it is. I figured it out. This movie, The Fog, fuck The Fog, this movie was in between Halloween and The Thing before he found his muse in Kurt Russell. Yeah. That's what it is. There's he hadn't yet found the fucking Jimmy Stewart to his Alfred Hitchcock to, you know, put in a thing because we all love Kurt Russell. Like Yeah, it's it's hard not to love Kurt Russell. Yeah, I mean even at his worst you're like, ah, you dirt bag, but you're waving it off because you you love Kurt Russell. And this this movie just has I mean, for such an incredible cast being in this film, with fucking Adrian Barbeau and Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's just a fart in a bathtub man it's just it's there's nothing going on um so what's a better movie with nothing going on the sect where they rip that woman's face off with those hooks or the fog with its fog Ooh, you know what the sect i feel like god damn it i hate to say it if i found the soundtrack to the fog on vinyl i'd probably get it I'd, I'd probably, at least I would buy it to have it, like, I, I wouldn't, you know, probably listen to it that much, but the soundtrack is annoying, but I appreciate that John Carpenter was doing something cool, and the sect, aside from the hook face murder, doesn't really have anything to recommend it, so I feel like the fog is probably at least a little higher than the sect. Is the fog better than body melt? No, no, it is not. Body Melt is better than The Fog because it's interesting. It's okay. It's not interesting, but it's of a time and place with like early '90s Australia and body horror and sort of like nuclear. Eating the pineal glands of kangaroos. (laughs) Yeah, you're eating the pineal glands of kangaroos, and your body is turning into a science fair project that got left overnight. Um, So going by that, that... I would 100 times out of 100 rather watch Body Melt than The Fog. So that makes The Fog our new number 213. Hell yeah. Um, If you like The Fog, I understand. Uh, I don't mean to shit on a thing you like. This, listen, I'm in the 25%, like, both of us are in the 25% minority on Rotten Tomatoes for people that did not like The Fog. So what do we know, you know? So, have you had a chance to see the Freddy Funko show on YouTube? No. 
So it's literally the mascot from Funko, the toy company, being a um, talk show host. And uh, the episode two, which just came out, he's interviewing Jason and Freddy, but like the Funko Pop versions of Jason and Freddy. Holy shit. I see you said Funko and I, I initially heard it as Funko like F-U-N-C-O and was like wait like Funko Land like that video game store from back in the day uh holy shit so do they animate Funko Pop Freddy and Jason's mouths I mean they do Freddy because he can talk it, sure. it's not the figures it's the the design so it's 2D animation but they use the same character design. Does Jason talk? I think I'm mad because I just want a Freddy and Jason, like, cartoon series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have the, they've already put out the Halloween cereal that was supposed to turn your milk bloody, but it doesn't. Oh, yeah. Um, by the way, if a, if a cereal offers to turn your milk a color... Just tell them to fuck right on off. It's, it's not true. <laughs> yeah, they're they're. I fu- bought it, the the ghoulish Captain Crunch this season. It did not work. You know what it is? It'll become the vague, milky, uh, green color of a faded tattoo. At yes, best. yeah, that's it's, what you're it's getting. The faded tattoo of breakfast cereals. <laughs> fuck. I although honestly, you know what I would like uh, a uh, kid. Uh, a kid accessible version of an animated Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Yeah, that would be fucking great. I feel like Ash would be so, a perfect character for a kid's cartoon. I feel like I need to throw this Halloween special on the list yeah. because of who's in it. But again, it's another example of just nothing. Just mm-hmm. characters that are in a pumpkin carving contest. <laughs> Uh, right it's like oh, they carved a pumpkin it. i guess yeah so i would say it's better than um it's better than blood on the badge but it's not as good as spooky world so that's a new number <laughs> 291 then well because jason talks in that and he um threatens to come specifically to your home to murder you because he didn't come to spooky world yeah. So if you want to check out the Freddy Funko Show, um, just type in, uh, go to YouTube and write Freddy Funko Show Episode 2, and you can watch that. Hell yeah. Um, so, so let's talk about a good movie. Yeah. All right. So the next movie we're talking about, uh, which I'm, you know what? I really like this movie. We're talking about The Willies. Um, I love The Willies. Ah, the Willies fucking rules. This movie, um, the cover of this movie uh, scared the bejesus out of me as a kid because it's like uh, this big, this cover of like these kids huddling in a tent and right above them there's this like ghoul lurking out of the dark, like sort of hovering over the tent like he's huge. And you know what? This movie totally matches up to how scared that movie made me as a kid. It's so funny. It's so good. Yeah, the the it's a anthology horror movie where kids are camping and telling scary stories, but it's basically only like one good story and the rest are like fair to midland. Oh but yeah, the one good story is so good it makes it uh, worth watching. Yeah, and I, I assume uh, without having talked about this with you yet that you're talking about the last one. 
Oh, I'm talking about the actual, like, toilet ghoul. Oh, the toilet ghoul, yeah. All right. Um, that's, all right. So this, uh, I also will put it on, uh, I, I will put it out there. I specifically adore anthology horror movies. There's something yes, so they're fucking... they're very good. What is it about that that we love so much? I think it is not wearing out your welcome. Mm. It is the... But, I mean, it's also the same kind of love I have for Tales from the Crypt and um, Are You Afraid of the Dark and and, yeah. and anthology comic books. Like, it's that same kind of, you just get a little bite-sized piece of creepiness. And actually, now that I like, think about right it. Like, right now, I'm listening to the audiobook of Stephen King's Weeds, which is the story from Creepshow, where Stephen King plays the hickbilly that turns into a plant. And it's delightful because it's just this bite-sized, you get creeped out, you get done, and you move on to with the rest of your day. I mean, now that I think about it, there aren't exactly, like, anthology romance movies, there aren't, like, anthology dramas, really. Like, I feel like horror has a bit of a stranglehold on the idea of, like, an anthology movies, right? Um, yeah, and even, like... Paris Jatemay has a horror sequence in it. <laughs> As yeah. if to say, you can't get away from it. Now, and, and that makes sense to me because it's sort of like, uh, now, I feel like right now, especially liter literarily, horror short stories are doing a lot better than horror novels because I think, um, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you don't have to maintain tension and uh, spookiness and atmosphere and all of those things, you know, over the course of like 350 pages. You, if you can nail that and knock it out in 20... It's great, and we all love that, because we're all exhausted. I want to be terrified. Uh, I want there to be sort of the sensation of, like, a box of um, novelty chocolates that I can kind of dig into a thing and move on to the next thing. And I feel like anthology horror movies, by and large, I think they're really good. Like, yeah. as a subgenre of horror. Um, and this one especially. Now, Sean Astin, by the way, is one of the kids in this movie. And there's a straight, like... On the nose Goonies reference, where Sean Astin's about to tell a story, and they're like, "You're not going to tell us that story about that time you went treasure hunting, are you?" <laughs> they had to do it. They had to do it. Um, and so it's the framing device for the thing is that these kids are sitting around in a tent uh, on a of, of an outdoor sleepover, and they are giving each other, you guessed it, the willies. And it's basically sort and, of and Sean Astin's uncle. At the end of the movie, says that you boys aren't giving each other the willies, are you? <laughs> Which, and so Sean Astin is sort of, uh, they, they start out with sort of like, uh, did you hear the story about the guy who was eating a bowl of cornflakes and then his brother was like, wait, where'd my scab collection go? A gug gug gug. And then it's like, all right, Chuckles, let me tell you a real story. And they'll, you know, dig into a thing. And so one of the stories. Um, the first story, uh, Quincy, describe the first story in this uh, anthology. The first story is probably the shortest. It is the, uh, this is supposed to be a horror comedy. It is very broad comedy. Oh, yeah. But it is the, here is a overweight woman eating fried chicken, but she eats a fried rat. Hey, did you know that only fat people have bodily functions? I didn't yeah, know if you... it's so fucking stupid. It's it's so stupid, and I feel like uh, there was a tendency in 80s and 90s uh, stuff where it was like a very visual style where it's like bad game show music and sort of isn't fast food bad? 
and sort of like overly cheerful. Like it was, it was a very, you don't really see that much anymore because I think, uh, listen, any one of us could end up working fast food very, very quickly and frequently are because the economy is shit right now. So I feel like everybody kind of went, all right, let's stop dunking on fast food workers maybe, huh? Yeah. And then the next one is a grandma that washes her poodle and puts it in the microwave, which is a, of course Don't an urban legend. People, which of, of course is an urban legend about the the old lady who microwaved her dog to dry it off after uh, bringing him in from the rain. Yeah, and and maybe the comic timing on that is the is the most perfect because you literally watch for what feels like an actual three minutes and you're counting down and going, oh, the dog's going to explode. And exactly. it gets to one second and it doesn't. And then it is the grossest yeah. explosion in a PG-13 movie that it could possibly be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's extra pulp, you know? Like, it's it's uh, it's like a hefty bag of uh, chunky Campbell's soup getting dropped, oh, getting dropped from a great height. It is... Um, it's, it's a wet one, I tell you what. And it's, uh, yeah, so the dog explodes, and it's like, ah! Um, and that's the first story. And then it moves on to uh, probably the best story in the thing. Quincy, just, just set the scene for us. Describe the best segment in this. So the best segment in this whole fucking movie, the only reason to go on YouTube and look this up and watch it... <laughs> Actually, there's a couple of reasons, but yeah. the the best one is this kid is being bullied by another kid with a mullet and an Iron Maiden T-shirt. Oh man, I my my finger was hovering over that screenshot button to be like, uh, I couldn't get a good shot of hey, there you go. I couldn't get a good shot of uh, these bemulleted kids picking on the 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 nerdy kid. But I was so I was wanting to make a stupid meme with like me written over the bullying mullet kids and then like me who also likes horror and then bullying people who like horror. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the one you do. So these kids like torture this dude and you know he's in a bad way because his best friend is the janitor at the school. <laughs> That's dire straits, man. Your friend is the janitor. Yeah. So in class, uh, first of all, his teacher's name is Mrs. Titmarsh because of <laughs> course it is because this is a movie made in 1990. She, she, she had to be named Miss Titmarsh. A name that certainly anybody And you anybody can see the screenwriter like Teehee cackling by like writing Titmarsh. Oh, oh, of the Cincinnati Titmarshes? Fuck out of here, the willies. God's sake. <laughs> yeah. So, so... Um, Mrs. Titmarsh says to this child, Mr. Hollister, you're disgraceful. I've never met such a big baby. <laughs> Fuck! I was screaming. Like, this kid, uh, goes to use the bathroom, and there is, uh, a, a, a gerblin, you know, hanging out in the bathroom doing spookster shit. And so the kid... He's the, reading a newspaper and taking a shit. It's great. It's like, look, there's a monster in here trying to take a shit, reading a newspaper, and the kid goes, Bwah! and runs back in. And this kid you know, can't take a shit next to a monster in the bathroom. So the kid runs back in and they're like, oh, there's a monster in the bathroom. And then wets themselves in front of the class. And this lady, who, by the way, was also uh, the teacher in Hocus Pocus, who also owned the virgin in Hocus Pocus, when he's like, man, Halloween, <laughs> Halloween's fake news. And she was like, guess again, motherfuck. And just like completely owning this kid in front of his peers. Like this, I, I guess her personal brand as an actor is like, then it's like Trunchbull, basically, like just this vindictive teacher who's just constantly owning children. <laughs> Man, it's, it's so good. It's so good. So my favorite part of this movie, and I could not find anyone who's gifted, is how 
Miss Titmarsh goes into the bathroom because um, she's like, go clean yourself off, piss baby. And he goes back <laughs> in the bathroom and he takes so long. She walks in there and is like, what's taking so long? And he's like, um, there's a monster. And she opens the stall and it's empty and the monster crawls up behind her. Mm-hmm. And she takes her attendance book and beats it on the head as her like... She does not even blink, and she's like, oh, a monster of the bathroom monsters. Oh, I know. The Cincinnati oh, bathroom monsters. Oh, fuck monster. this. Just starts beating him with a book. And also, she... And the right. monster takes the roll book out of her hand and beats her with it and then eats her. <laughs> yeah, obviously eats her. And this is... Okay, so Quincy, uh, as uh, someone who uh, is themselves uh, an educator, is telling a child who has pissed themselves in front of a class, is it bad teaching praxis to yell... You are disgraceful. I have never met such a big baby to a crying, pissing child. I don't know what you're talking about. I do that all the time. (laughs) That's actually how you open class. Good morning, piss babies. (laughs) Good morning, piss babies. Um, So obviously, and you know, if you've ever watched uh, an anthology horror thing and you're like, oh, okay, bullied kids is going to get, they're going to have their day. And the teacher is going to get owned by the shitting monster and dragged up into the vents in the bathroom. And then the kid goes back out uh, into the class, and the, they're like, where's the teacher? And the kid's like, the fucking monster ate them, dude. And uh, mullet Iron Maiden baby is like, whatever, kid. I'm going to go into this bathroom and make fun of you for having... I'm going to pinch a loaf, because I'm a tough kid. <laughs> and then the monster eats him. Obviously, the monster eats him. Uh, and then the monster, which, by the way, the practical effects in this, pretty tasty. Do we spoil this? It's pretty crucial. Oh, that's... Yeah. Yeah, all right. We probably... I can't even believe... Although, I mean, how long has this movie been out? Since, like, 1989 or whatever? 1990. But also, who has seen the willies? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Us. Maybe Sean. Yeah, Aston. but like, like you know how we can say like if you if you haven't seen The Sixth Sense, get over it, get on that. Oh yeah, yeah. But the, like the twist is the crucial part. Yeah, but this is also a movie that like you probably have seen the tape and passed over it, but now you should go dig it back up and watch it. Yeah, agree. Um, so all right, so we won't spoil the twist on it. Um, we. Now, there's another thing in this, which is, like, the kid is... It's very um, good. It's, it's, like, the best part of the movie. It's extremely good. And so, uh, nerdy... Uh, the nerd... Uh, uh, Lil, Lil Piss Baby, as he's known, um, is uh, Biffles with the janitor. And so, I I realized a thing while watching this, which is, like, there are, um, I think, certain professions that are, like, benighted in horror, where, like, if you are of this profession, you are either magical or wise or friendly, or otherwise, like, you're not a thing that gets uh, twisted or um, perverted into a malevolent force. And one of those, I think, is the janitor. Like, janitors are friendly spirits of the dirt, I think, in horror movies. It's because they're the proletariat. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just, like, it would feel like punching down if you were like, yeah, this janitor, also a fucking monster. Because you're like, well, I mean, come on. They're just, (laughs) look, they might be a monster, but they're just trying to make it work. Uh, mopping up after piss babies in school. Um, and yeah, like... Old piss babies. <laughs> old piss baby. And so the janitor in this is like, you know, buddies with the kid. And, uh, so, um, b- uh, mullet, uh, mullet acid wash, who, uh, was bullying the shit out of, um, piss baby. His, uh, parents come to the school and they're like looking for him. And they're like, where's my little Johnny or whatever the fuck his name is. And, uh, the janitor is like, hey, you know, that kid's a real shit bird. 
and the mom is like, oh, my my little Johnny, you must be mistaken. Johnny's a very sweet boy, and that guy's like, I saw him murder a guy and ate him down by the train tracks. Like, he's just, like, describing how fucking shitty this kid is. Um, and then it moves to the next part of the movie. Um, which, which, like, okay, so this kid is, like, a a sociopath fly collector. Like the whole movie is about, he's obsessed with collecting flies and he has a little fly church diorama with a fly Jesus crucifix and a fly in a casket and a fly in the pulpit and flies in all the pews. And it's like, what is this character supposed to be? The passion of the flyst. Yeah. It's that's, that's the problem is like, all right, so this kid, he, his name and I'm furious about this. The kid's name is Gordy Belcher. And obviously, you knew upon me saying that, guess what? The kid's fat, obviously. And because I feel like if it's a horror movie circa late 80s, early 90s, fatness has to be a joke, I think, right? Like, it has to be a grotesque yeah. thing, or it has to be, like, a sign that, you know, you're a sociopath, dead fly collector child. Um, and this kid... Now, I realized the thing about Gordy Belcher... Remember when we were watching Hellraiser 2 and uh, when the Chatterer Cenobite, like, when... Uh, so the Shenard Cenobite uh, turns all of them back into who they were, uh, all of the Cenobites, back into who they were before they became Cenobites. So you get like, oh no, Pinhead is an older World War One era guy and um, Lady Cenobite is just kind of a lady. And Chatterer Cenobite turns back into, like, a nine-year-old child. And you're watching that, like... Was this kid just jerking off twenty four over seven? If they got, if they were worthy of getting abducted by Cenobites and turned into a demon, um, Gordy Belcher is absolutely that kid that is enough of a weird little pervert to get turned into a Cenobite. Absolutely, because even his parents are like, "This kid fucking sucks." <laughs> <laughs> They're like, why are you catching flies? And he's like, not only is he catching flies, he is breaking into a farmer's farm to steal fertilizer for his fly traps. The farmer says, hey, stop stealing my fertilizer. Right. Um, He's also like the biggest sadist ever. And the entire movie, like he's pulling people's chairs out from under them and, like, farting in their face and, like, laughing at them and throwing shit on people. And, like, there are multiple scenes where Gordy comes to the cafeteria and everyone's like, I don't want to sit with you, Gordy. You're a bad person. (laughs) You're a piece of shit, Gordy. Yeah. Um, Also, Gordy is Michael Bauer from Salute Your Shorts. Oh, fuck. That's him. Excellent. Which which I I deliberately looked up his name because... (laughs) He's probably been haunted with the name Donkey Lips his entire career. <sighs> Poor Donkey Lips. That's, you know, you get saddled with a name like that, you never get to outlive it. Yeah, yeah, it's just who you are now. Yeah, you're, you're Donkey Lips. It's like the Napoleon Dynamite guy. Like, you're, sorry, I'm, you're Napoleon Dynamite. Um, now, Gordy, yeah, this kid's a real shit heel. Like, he's just, yeah, constantly, he's deeply unsympathetic where he's just like, uh, making other kids eat dead flies and then being like, yeah, eight flies! And just being a weird, creepy little pervert. And yeah. and now, his parents are also very bad. Um, his Is it his father or stepfather? It's his father. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because his... in the script, his last name is Belcher. Yeah. So his so, fa- like it's his it's his birth father that's like I don't know what to do with you, son. You're terrible. I mean, in, so it's like a really aggressive version of like Hank Hill with Bobby just being like I don't know what to fucking do with this kid. Um, and so, yeah, except it's like, no, for real, I cannot wait till the Cinnabites take you away so I don't have to deal with you anymore. My pervert son who I'm terrified of. Um, and so he, uh, his father is, is wild because he's, now his father's a dick, but also, um, I don't know, I feel like, listen, if your son is a weird pervert and you're, like, trying to be a domineering father, like, I feel like the narrative frames it. Like this kid's father is a dick. Like he's yeah. a he's abusive. He's just like and and not directly abusive in a way that we can necessarily pin down. You know who his father in this is? He's abusive in the way that. Did you ever watch a Twisted Sister music video? Um, like we're not gonna take it or I want to rock. And you've got that guy coming in to be like, "You're in here all day playing that guitar. What do you want to do with your life?" And then Gordy Belcher. Yeah, that's Eric Roberts. <laughs> Eric, yeah, yeah. Beloved actor in American yeah. Treasure. Yeah, American Treasure Eric Roberts, yeah. And then the, Gordy Belcher basically looks at him and goes, I want to be a weird little pervert, and strums a guitar and blows him out the window, and he gets accosted by Dee Snyder, right? <laughs> um, and so Gordy is just a weird little pervert who um, he's, <laughs> he's stealing from uh, this farmer this weird, creepy farmer who has this miracle fertilizer that is meant to, like, jack your veggies up good, right? And it makes flies grow into six-foot-tall flies. And the <laughs> puppets, the, the flies, the the fly costumes that they oh. give these actors are oh. uh, par excellence. It's, it's great. Honestly, you could do a double feature with this. Like, all right, so you've just watched David Cronenberg's The Fly. Consider also the scene where giant housefly puppets are owning this kid and eating him. It It's just... Yeah, they pull his fucking arms off they, because yo, he's been pulling fly wings off the whole movie. We are dismembering children in this fucking movie. <laughs> it, it is. Um, and honestly, I respect the, the chrome ones it takes for a movie to go, you know what we've got in this movie? It is full-on bodysuit-ass housefly puppeteering. <laughs> like... <laughs> Just eating a kid. Um, and then the final shot is Gordy in a hammock with two hook hands because yes! he has to live the rest of his life <laughs> explaining that his arms were taken by fly men. By giant flies that were hopped up on super manure. We live in a world where giant <laughs> flies exist. They don't go away. They're here now. And yeah. also, the bully has two hook, hook hands. You can't... Also, how the fuck do you get in a hammock with, like, I cannot get in a hammock and I am able-bodied. Yeah. How does he do that with prosthetic hands? You've got workable... Yeah, how do you get into a hammock with hook hands? Um, yeah, you, listen, Man. you can't... Once you create super, uh, super large flies that are hopped up on crazy manure, you can't unring that bell. That is the world you live in now, where a kid named Gordy Belcher gets his little hands taken off by giant flies. Um, so, to wit, the Willies fucking rules. Um, now, here's my question. Is it better than the 2009 <laughs> remake of Friday the 13th? <laughs> Um, 
Oh, boy. All right. All right. All right. I couldn't say that with a straight face. Oh, man. All right. So is the Willies better than the Platinum Dunes Friday the 13th reboot? The question we have to ask ourselves here, and really, I think we're all asking ourselves this question in our own ways. Is a child being dismembered by giant fly puppets better or worse than a movie that features the line, you got perfect nipple placement, baby? Um... I don't think it's that good. I don't think it's that good. And I don't think it's also as good as a movie now, that features... Um, uh, the, uh, the Now, the one death from that movie that I think about a lot, uh, in terms of, like, I don't know what it is about it. It's weirdly compelling and kind of... It's clever in a way I don't fully know how to explain. Um, the the lady who is hiding under the, the lake pier, and Jason is, like, creeping around and, like, ah, I'm an evil guy in a mask and she's like oh i think i lost him and then a spear shoots down through the dock impales the top of her head pulls her up like pulls her head up and it thunks softly on the bottom of the pier and then she sinks immediately back down into the water there's some kind of visual magic on that scene that i'm just every single time i i think i i involuntarily yell yo um when she slides back beneath the water um no yeah. We also have to... That is excellent. We also have to talk about the uncomfortable truth that Brian Peck, the director and screenwriter, is a convicted sex offender. Oh, fuck me. Is he... He pleaded no contest to um, sex with minors. Yee. Also, well, that's gonna take there's a, a big... There's a big um, scandal because... He was hired by the Disney Channel to work on films after being on the Sex Offender Registry. I remember. Oh, fuck. I remember. That's the guy. He wrote and directed the Friday the 13th reboot? No, he wrote and directed The Willies. Oh, and he the, is oh, oh. also one of the punks in Return of the Living Dead. Oh, I thought you were... I'm so sorry. I thought you were saying that Friday the 13th was written and directed by a convicted sex offender. You know, the sad state of affairs is <laughs> there's a lot of sex offenders working in, in Hollywood. And yeah, in horror especially. I god damn it, the I, I can't even even the Willies it can't be an unproblematic fave. It's directed by a sex offender. If we were doing Clown House or Jeepers Creepers, we would also talk about the fact that Victor Salva is a fucking child molester. Yeah, uh, but here's the other problem. Brian Peck is the is one of the stars of every. He's he's been in every Return of the Living Dead movie, literally so, every one. So wait, which and those which, are at the top of the list. Which punk is Richard Peck? Is he the new wave guy? No, he's the mohawk guy. That's not the. This isn't a fucking costume. Oh, all right. So he's the yeah he's the guy with the mohawk who's not uh, suicide. Or not suicide. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Suicide, the punk. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not suicide. His name is like Scourge or something like that. Scuzz. It's something made up. Grad. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And in uh, Return of the Living Dead 3, he's the guy that shoots the frozen bullet at the beginning of the movie in the lab. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. So, um, you know what? Going by that, I feel like I got to put the Friday the 13th reboot over the willies, at least because... It was not written and directed by a convicted child abuser. Yeah, so how far down the list do you want to put it strictly on that oh, metric? God, God damn it. Um, so, <laughs> oh. Right, because it's a very good movie, and then you realize... And, like, yeah. you know, we can talk... We can 
put ourselves in knots and talk about the text itself doesn't have any sexual content to it. Right. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's weirdly chased, but I mean, it's a PG-13 movie, so yeah. like it's a... It's basically... If we don't have any sex, we can have more violence. Yeah, let's do that. You know what? For a movie with a weird, like, f- with a movie full of weird sex perverts and um, a, sh- a shitting monster, incredibly unhorny, The Willies. A movie called The Willies is just deeply sexless. I would, okay, I would put, gun to my head, I would put The Willies above Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, and below Zygote. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Yeah, because it's I, I, very good, but yeah. definitely it has a problematic legacy. Well, there's a problematic legacy, but also let's not shit ourselves though. Uh, what uh, if we apply that? Uh, I hate to point this out. Uh, Rosemary's Baby is, yeah, num- is, is, is number twenty three on our list. So if we're going with like, well, this director is a convicted sex offender. It's like, well, the only reason Roman Polanski is not a convicted sex offender is because he skipped town. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there, I mean, right. there is there is that, but also the, the Willies isn't Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like so, the Willies is new number one ninety three. Can I just say that I want every thing I ever write and own to be written in the font of the end credits that like purple drippy oh, the willies font it's so good and also the music over the credits is like exactly what you want from a jaunty ass halloween mix where it's like sort of and it's just like really fucking excited about being a movie called the willies like the entire direction they gave this composer was you are super excited to be composing for the willies and the guy was like okay <laughs> and it's just Go. jaunty as hell and i i Really enjoy it. Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? We are on just about every social media platform. Our Instagram is at Rank and Vile. Our Twitter is at Rank and Vile Cast. If you want to um, say hi, um, advertise, send us a screener, uh, tell us how wrong we are about the fog, yeah. our email is rankandvilecast at gmail.com. That's coming. We have a letterboxed. We have a YouTube playlist um, of every rap tie-in that is kind of... uh, We might have done it. We might have done all of them. I I think so. Actually, Please prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong. There's one we... Actually, actually, I hate to put you on blast in this moment, but I realized there is one song that Nix is missing, and it is The Crypt Jam, which was a tie-in rap they made for Tales from the Crypt, the TV series. Well, that... Oh, and also, um, Oh, Suki Suki... The um, the um, True Blood Snoop Dogg rap. Snoop, wait, hold the goddamn phone. I know we're doing the outro spiel. Snoop Dogg did a rap about True Blood. Yeah, and the the Quincy. chorus is all Suki Suki, but you know Suki Stackhouse. Uh, I we got to wrap this up so I can go listen to the Snoop Dogg tie-in rap. <laughs> <of True Blood. laughs> um, so. You're in luck. I'm going to add that to the, the YouTube playlist <laughs> immediately. We're ranking Valcasts on YouTube. Outstanding. Um, we are sponsored by LaPellia.com. They make Macho Man Randy Savage socks, and you can get a discount if you use the code RankinVile at LaPellia.com. Do it. Fuck yeah. Um, but barring that, I think that is all I got. You got anything else? Uh, stay safe, stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks. Wear reflective gear.